1: Um, last week, during the CPC leadership debate uh, in Edmonton, May 11th, Pierre Polyev was uh, talking about economic policy. He was talking about inflation um, and uh, interest rates and all the rest. How long will it take him to reduce interest rates? Polyev said, well, that depends on how high inflation is when he comes to power. But he didn't stop there. He went on to say that those that he feels are responsible for high inflation should be held accountable. The Bank of Canada governor <coughs> has allowed himself to become the ATM machine of this government, and so I would replace him with a new governor who would reinstate our low inflation mandate, protect the purchasing power of our dollar, and honor the working people who earn those dollars. Quite a declaration. You can hear the applause from the crowd. They were very much pro-Polyev. Um, it's a declaration that got a lot of reaction. Um, Notably from Jean Charest, who called it a reckless misrepresentation of a valuable institution. Leslyn Lewis, another conservative leadership candidate, said she was concerned about Pauliev's vow to fire Macklem and believes that politicians shouldn't meddle in the Bank of Canada or undermine faith in the nation's financial system. Prime Minister said much the same thing. A lot of people coming out to say, whoa, whoa, this, this kind of talk is not a good thing to have. Why? Why not? They are responsible for controlling inflation. Inflation's running away. So, shouldn't they be held accountable? More complicated than that. So let's get into some of the nuance around this with Chris Reagan, who's an associate professor and founding director of McGill University's Max Bell School of Public Policy. Chris, thanks so much for joining us. I appreciate your time today.
0: Well, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. It's nice to speak to my hometown.
1: There you go. All right. So let's start with just the basis of the statement and what Pauliev was saying. The Bank of Canada has become Trudeau's ATM, and that is why we have runaway inflation true or false? I would say that's mostly false. Okay. I mean, there, we know that an increased money into, into the supply does cause inflation. So why is it different in this case?
0: Well so there's a lot of complexity in this so I, I think inflation today um, is actually got several causes, um, some of which the, have nothing to do with what the Bank of Canada has been doing I mean nothing the Bank of Canada can do can fix supply chains that have been disruptive that are driving up prices nothing the Bank of Canada can do can address uh, the prices of, of commodities that have been driven up in the last two and a half months due to do, uh, war in the Ukraine uh, you know part, part of what's going on in the economy it does kind of lie at the Bank of Canada's doorstep, but a bunch of it doesn't. So we could have the discussion about the multiple causes. In terms of the creation of money, um, Mr. Polyev is right that the Bank of Canada has created a whole bunch of money in the last uh, two years, basically. About $400 billion is the number he used, and that's about right. But that money, you have to look into the details of kind of what kind of money that is and where it is, and most of that is, in fact, sitting in deposits, of the commercial banks at the Bank of Canada. It's not money that's actually in your pocket fueling demand for goods and services. It's money that's actually keeping the commercial banking system extremely liquid. And the reason why the Bank of Canada now wants to embark on what they're calling quantitative tightening is to actually pull that money back out of the system, out of those commercial bank accounts, um, before it starts to fuel inflation. So I would, in fact, argue that most of the inflation that we are seeing now, maybe even all of the inflation that we're seeing now um, isn't coming about from the, from that creation of money. But that forces you to get into a, a, a kind of a nuanced discussion right. about what money is and where it is and what it's doing.
1: That's the thing, Chris. It's very nuanced. There's a lot of different things at play here. Polyev Indeed. knows that. But the statement, I'm going to fire this guy who's in charge of the central bank, boy, it went over well. You heard the crowd. There's a lot of people that love it.
0: Uh, I uh, I heard the I was listening to that debate. I heard the cheers. I agree. Um, there's So, look, I think there's actually two issues here. One is whether the criticism of the bank is legitimate on the grounds of, you know, what is causing inflation. So I actually think, as I said, that most of the inflation that's going on right now isn't uh, mm. caused by or hasn't been caused by the Bank of Canada's action. So I think it would be wrong to criticize the bank on th- those grounds. But the second thing at play, which is uh, which is frankly a bigger issue, which is uh, I think there's a risk of politicizing the Bank of Canada. Right. Uh, what, I, what I said in my article in the line um, last week was that there's a reason why we have operationally independent central banks. It's not just Canada. It's many, many advanced countries have, over the last uh, 40 years basically, moved to a world where their central banks are operationally independent. They're still owned by the government. They're still accountable to Parliament and accountable to the government and and to the people, but they're operationally independent. And the reason they are is because when they weren't, and during the 1950s and 60s, when they weren't operationally independent, what we realized was that politicians got into the game. They put pressure on their central banks to goose the economy before an election. Uh, this often happened, and the result was that inflation ratcheted up and ratcheted up and ratcheted up. And soon we got to the point where we realized that countries that had operationally more independent central banks were countries with lower inflation. So the irony here is that. I, you know, I think when you when you criticize and you know threaten to fire and replace the Governor of the Bank of Canada because he 's not doing a good job, or so is the claim number one i don 't think that 's right, but the second thing is is it actually contributes to a world where we might end up with higher inflation and not lower inflation. so if you really want low inflation, I think what you do is you is you trust the central bank to do their job, and they are accountable they absolutely are accountable, uh, but we are going through shockingly unusual times with with COVID over the past two years, and then with the Ukraine war on top of this. This is very unusual times, and a a bunch of that inflation just isn't coming from the central bank.
1: Right. Um, Is there any indication that there is, you know, a a leg to stand on when you're talking about it has become, you know, Justin Trudeau's ATM? He wants to restore independence, which would seem to indicate that Tiff Macklem is not operating independently at this point and is in the pocket of the Liberal government. Is is there anything to support that notion?
0: Well, look, I actually think that's, a, um, that's an interesting debating point. Now, I, I have no evidence, I have seen no evidence that the Bank of Canada has lost its independence. Um, you know, if you listen to what Tiff Macklem says, he will, t- or Steve Pohl was before him, um, they will both say that the reason why they massively expanded the Bank of Canada's balance sheet by buying government bonds was to keep interest rates low. Now, you could have a debate about whether that was necessary. Uh, in fact, I think we probably should have more of a debate in this country about whether that was necessary. Um, because interest rates at the beginning of this process in early 2020 were very low already. Mm -hmm. So if the government borrowing uh, would have had the effect of pushing up interest rates by 100 or 150 basis points, that probably wouldn't have been, you know, a big problem. But anyways, we can have the debate about whether they should or should not have done it. But It's quite another matter to claim that the Bank of Canada was effectively forced to do that. And I I think there's no evidence for that. Uh, I think if the Bank of Canada was forced to do that, then I would be concerned because it comes back to this idea about whether the bank is operationally independent. Uh, But it's interesting that other central banks did it. So is it if the Bank of Canada has lost its independence, does that mean the Fed has lost its independence and the Bank of England and the ECB and et cetera? Um, Or is it, uh, maybe a, an easier explanation is that central banks around the world who think largely the same way saw the same sort of shock with governments that were uh, borrowing massively to provide COVID relief and those central banks saw the same shock and they saw the same reason to have a monetary expansion. I think that's probably a better explanation.
1: Yeah exactly and I, I think you know like, he's, like you said earlier it's an extraordinary circumstance that they're trying to deal with at this point and you know what I mean Bank of Canada ha- came to an agreement with the government that we're going to try and keep inflation to two percent obviously. They're, Absolutely, they're they're way way off there. Um, so I, I think it's fair to ha- be critical of that, but at the same time, how much can you really heap upon them when, as you say, it's so extraordinarily, you know, hard to predict what's going to happen tomorrow? For goodness' sake.
0: Yeah, and I, you know, the, the Bank of Canada has already said, uh, as some other central banks have said, that they were probably a little bit slow to raise interest rates. I think that's probably right, and uh, you know, it, it, and, and there's a danger here about uh, you know being the Monday morning quarterback, right? Is that yeah. it, it's always easier to, to analyze these things after the fact, um, but I think there's going to be an interesting test in the next uh, you know next six and nine months about whether the Bank of Canada continues to raise rates to try to uh, to try to re- take some of the steam out of a, an economy that's really, uh, you know, firing pretty well. Uh, I, I think it's firing on all cylinders, or at least pretty close to all cylinders. So, um, look, I think, I think monetary policy is tough at the best of times, and I think these are absolutely not the best of times. They haven't been for two years. Um, you know, I I, I know the Bank of Canada uh, more than I know other economic institutions. I've been very impressed with them uh, since they've adopted inflation targeting in the early 1990s. I think the governors have actually been, and not just the governors, but the governors and the and the people, the analysts and the deputy governors at the bank are are hardworking, smart, impressive people. Uh, that doesn't mean they get a pass. Uh, they absolutely need to be accountable, yeah. but given these extraordinary times, uh, I am prepared to cut them a little slack, uh, and to make sure that they, you know, to watch and to see what they do next. Yeah. Uh, because because there is a lot of inflation in the system that really hasn't come from
1: the Bank of Canada. Exactly. So I mean, it's understandable, but doesn't mean you get a pass. And we need to see what happens in the coming weeks and months.
0: Well, and they continue to issue their quarterly reports. They continue to go in front of the uh, you know the House of Commons Finance Committee. Uh, I mean, there is a process for accountability of the Bank of Canada, and I think we should make sure that we are uh, holding the bank to account. But let's also make sure that we get our facts right uh, and, and our analysis right. Uh, and it is complicated times, and it's, it's not quite as simple as some of the um, critics on the stage say.
1: Excellent. Okay. Chris, thanks so much for your time today. I appreciate you joining us.
0: Thank you, Shay. You bet.